0: This is The Podcasters Club, brought to you by Precision Podcasting. I am your host, Kane Power. This episode, we're talking about repurposing your podcast episodes into additional content. A great way to support and promote your show, your brand, and your business. I think repurposing is a huge untapped resource for many of us in the podcasting space, and I totally know why, after all the effort put in to actually create and release the episode, the last thing you want to do is spend even more time going through everything you said and turning it into blogs, videos, audiograms, lists, articles, etc, etc. However, think of it like this, once you've created your podcast episode, That content becomes an asset which has too much value to just be released, catalogued and forgotten. There is a whole world of people out there who want your content but might not be hearing it due to it being in the wrong format for them. The content you've already made can be repackaged to bring in more listeners and grow your overall audience. And if somehow you are the type of person who prefers reading over listening, although I'd wonder why you're listening right now at all. I've actually repurposed this episode as a condensed written interview, a link to which you'll find in the show notes for this episode. So to explain how all of this works and how to start repurposing your episodes, I've brought back Jacqueline Schiff, who is the CEO of Podreacher and a professional repurposer. You might remember her from episode nine about remote recording and episode 10 about show notes. She is awesome. I asked her to introduce herself anyway, just in case you haven't met her before.
1: I'm Jacqueline Schiff. I'm the CEO and founder of PodReacher, and we are a specialized content agency that transforms the spoken word, usually from a podcast episode into readable, shareable text. Oftentimes that's a blog post, but sometimes it's a a white paper, an ebook, and of course show notes, which we've already had the pleasure of discussing.
0: Nice. So repurposing episodes, what is the idea behind repurposing a podcast episode, like an overall idea?
1: The idea behind repurposing for me all comes back to the fact that you cannot make assumptions about how people consume content. I'm an auditory learner. I've always been an auditory learner, which is why I love podcasts and I listen to audiobooks and like, I love absorbing information that way. But the other people that really need a visual component, so they prefer video and, you know, depending on the time of day, honestly, or if you're in an office environment or what have you, there's sometimes when text is always going to be the better option. And I think looking at your own habits also, again, it's like, you know, I think There's times when we gravitate more towards video, towards social, towards audio. So there's a time and a place for all of it. If there's one thing that I think rings true about marketing in the era that we are in, it's that you cannot wait for people to come to you. You have to go to them. And so what does that mean when it comes to your content? You have to package it for the various different platforms out there. So when we talk about a podcast and repurposing it, it's taking it and turning it into different forms for you know many different mediums.
0: Yeah, okay. So, I mean, you've done the work in creating the audio episode. And so you have this kind of intellectual property. You have this idea. You might as well take that, put it into a whole lot of different forms so that people that require different types of media can access your idea. That's in a nutshell, right?
1: Yes, that's a great way to put it. So you've done all this work, you've uh, recorded a podcast episode, and then I'm saying do more work and turn it into different formats so people can consume it in different ways.
0: Okay, so why is it important? What are the advantages of doing something like that?
1: You capture audiences wherever they are, So you're creating less friction, right? Like you're you're not only available on a podcast. So let's say, you know, you are an accountant and you have a great episode about prep for tax season. If it's only available as a podcast, that's great for people who like podcasts. But maybe you have clients that don't like podcasts that want to consume the information in a different way. And by having it in different formats whichever way they'd prefer to consume it you have it available for them which means you're reaching a wider range of people you've also given them the option so not only you know can you say here prospective client you know here's an episode I did or here's an article based on an episode that I did on preparing for tax season that person also has your content in different formats and they can share it. So in terms of really getting your message out there, you're giving people different options and different ways to find you.
0: And I guess that's going to help improve your SEO and your reach in terms of your brand, right? So it's like I think we discussed it in the show notes episode. You know, if you have your website, you've got your podcast on there for people who like podcasts, but you've also got a blog post and that's going to show up in Google when people are searching that topic.
1: Exactly right. So, and yeah, the area that we focus on, right, would be, yeah, turning it into a blog post. So the main channel there is SEO. And one of the things that is surprising with, with podcasts is, you know, everyone's thinking about how do I get more discoverable in on Apple, on Spotify? And those are certainly relevant questions, things you should be thinking about, but I mean, how many times a day do you search Google for information that you need? And that's usually not a question that podcasts are thinking about. The advantage of having the content you're making optimized for search, for a typical web Google search, is that you don't have to convince people to search. They're already doing that and you might have information that they want. So putting it in that format means that you can be more discoverable. Bringing it back to the podcast, people might come in through an article that was written. It could be based on your podcast. It could be related. If they find what you're saying interesting, you know, they might see on your website, oh, they have a podcast. I will check this out. So all these things kind of cross-promote each other.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's clear that it's a very good idea and it's something that everyone should be doing, putting in that little bit of effort to repurpose their podcast episodes into other media. Where do we start? How do you do it? If someone, you know, is new to this, just imagine you're coming into it, you're creating a podcast and you're putting something really cool out there. What do you do to start repurposing?
1: When people first start making a podcast, I mean, that in and of itself is such a big undertaking, as you know, and there's a lot that goes into it. So I feel like, especially if you you know, don't have a large team supporting you, I would get your first 25 episodes under your belt before you even start thinking about this there are people who come to me and they're just starting out and I'm like, record a few episodes, don't pod fade. And then, you know, let's talk. (laughs) So I think, you know, first get comfortable making a podcast and, and get into a good production cadence. And then once you're doing that, the thing that I love with repurposing is, so, you know, you've got a library of content right there. I would look at the episodes that have done the best so far, So you could either look at that judging from analytics or even just the reaction you've gotten from listeners. And, you know, instead of thinking about, okay, this is something I have to do for every episode. I mean, that's great. You know, and Pat Flynn and people that are like really well established can do that. But, you know, if you're just starting to think about this and you're thinking about different ways that you can get discoverable... I would take the ones that have done the best or, you know, again, if you're doing this for business purposes and, you know, let's say there's an episode that is based on a conversation that you have with almost each and every client and it responds to their questions, think about taking that and then turn it into an article. And we can get into the kind of step-by-step of how exactly you would do that. We like think about it, I think, as a four-step process, but just in terms of selecting and when to do it, that's what I would advise.
0: Okay, well, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into the four-step process. (laughs) Okay,
1: so so the how, how do you actually do it? So the first thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to think, where am I going to publish this? Is it going to be on your website? Is it going to be as an article on LinkedIn? Are you going to submit it to an industry publication? Are you going to try get it in, you know, mainstream media? The reason you want to think about that first is because that's going to dictate how you write it. You know, so if it's a publication, a lot of publications have criteria and they want the article to be in a certain format. So you want to at least check that out. You know, what's the word count? Um, are there certain headline conventions they prefer? So you want to take a look at those things. Once you've decided where you're going to publish, the next step would be to actually listen to the episode. And even if it's an episode that you recorded, I think it's a really important step because first of all, our memories are not very good there might be like a certain thing that like really stuck out from the conversation, but there might be a whole lot of other gems in there that you wouldn't have realized. So I would definitely advise listening to the full episode, preferably with a transcript in front of you, and basically highlighting the important points. The key is to think about this through the lens of your listener reader, right? Like think about who the end person is, who you would wanna receive this information. It's probably gonna be similar to your perspective, right, on it, but like there might be subtle differences in what you find interesting versus what they find really interesting. And so I definitely listen and be filtering for those things. So that's kind of the first two steps, right? You decide where to publish, listen to the episode, The third step would be to actually sit down, write, structure, and order the piece. And this is like, you know, a lot of times people will come to us and they'll say, are you doing transcription? And I'm like, no, we're not doing transcription. We work from a transcript. But this is really where the writing process kicks in. Because what you're doing is is you're thinking almost, almost journalistically. So you're thinking like, what's the thing from this conversation that is most interesting for the audience that I'm trying to reach? And that honestly could have taken place 30 minutes into the conversation, but maybe that's the top, that's the lead, right? Like, what is the main thing that was found out? So you're structuring and organizing the information that way. You know, a basic structure would be thinking about an introduction, And then like the three to five main points and maybe dividing that into subheadings and then writing up what you learned, what you heard. We think of this process as one part journalism. So like conveying what was said in the episode, but then also content marketing. So again, thinking through Like what's going to be most important for your audience and what are the terms and buzzwords that they're going to respond to. And I'll give you an example of, you know, why that's so powerful. So we work with Squadcast, which is, you know, a remote recording software, and they have a podcast. They talk to people in the podcast industry, other podcasters, and they did an interview with um, Chris Kremitzos, who's the founder of PodFest. PodFest is, you know, one of the main podcast industry conferences, so they're having a conversation about how he connects people and all of that. In the conversation, they didn't refer to Chris as a super connector, but when we wrote up the article afterwards, we thought, okay, what headline do we give this? And so it was something about like, get to know the podcast industry super connector, so that's not a word that was used in the conversation, but that's where the power of content marketing and positioning comes in. Yeah, I've probably blended some steps here, but the final piece of this is to edit and refine, right? So uh, that's where you would put the buzzwords in. That's also where, you know, if you're thinking about SEO and you potentially want to do some keyword research, or if you have the keyword research, you want to make sure that's incorporated. There's, you know, strategic places where you would put keywords, if they fit, in headlines. But the power of editing, I mean, I don't have to tell you this, kane but, uh, (laughs) you know, like all content, whether it's audio, video, text, is a lot more powerful if it's edited. And edited doesn't mean that you have to have a person who is not you editing. Even if you just, let's say you write it one day and you you know, go to sleep and the next day you take a look and you self-edit, that's a great thing to do because I guarantee you when you look at it after not having looked at something for a few hours, you'll probably find ways to improve it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that happens every time. Usually if I come back to an edit, especially if it's my own, you know, especially if it's my own writing or something and you come back to it the next day and go, what? No, 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 no. Change it all.
1: You're like, why is this there? What was I thinking? Yeah,
0: why did I say it that way? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay, well, that's exactly how you do it. Okay, that's wonderful. I think that's made super clear. So, what tools do you use to do that? So, (laughs) you're going to use a transcript. So, there's going to be a tool there, and I, I imagine there's going to be some sort of editing tool as well. What do you use?
1: Yeah, so I mean, there's you know, there's all the AI transcription tools, um, and that's that's generally what we use. Otter, there's Temi, there's a bunch of others, but we usually use Otter or Descript is a good tool as well. There's a lot of different grammar tools, like so again, to, you know, if you're if you don't have an editor and you want it to be checked, um, Grammarly is a great plugin that'll do like a pretty basic edit check, make sure your copy is clean. Increasingly, and I'll be honest, I haven't like introduced this into my process yet, but I am paying close attention to all these AI writing tools. There's Jarvis, copy.ai, I mean, every month, honestly, they seem to be getting better. And I know some people are having really good results. You know, for example, I know that some people can write it like a first draft and you put it into these tools and they will improve it Mm. quite significantly. I think they're very powerful. And I think in the next two to five years, they're going to become really common in marketing. I don't think they're going to completely displace writers for most things yet. Probably got ten years on that, but yeah. uh, that's a really interesting space. And I know also it's cutting down on on people's writing times. At the very least, I'd think about it also in terms of headlines. You know, headlines for SEO, for being clickable, are really important. You know, that's like the trailer to your movie. Even if you just use it to help you generate headlines. There's a bunch of other headline tools out there that we've definitely experimented with in the past. They'll kind of like analyze the headline, Mm. you know, how emotional it is and sometimes make recommendations. I know that CoSchedule had a nice headline analyzer tool. That's something else to consider using.
0: Okay, so what are some ways that you can repurpose episodes in terms of different formats?
1: The The sky's the limit, right? I mean... I've seen people that have taken a piece of audio, turned it into an animated video, uh, short video clips, Instagram, TikTok. I mean, there's so many ways that honestly, like it can get overwhelming. And I think that's one of the, the really difficult things in marketing is there's literally a million ways to skin a cat. But, you know, my advice to people is always you have to choose what's going to be most sustainable to you. And for you and for your audience, um, like what can you actually keep up with doing? What do you like doing? And I think most importantly, the people that you're trying to reach. I mean, if you're trying to reach 50-something executives, TikTok's probably not your best bet. Um, So, you know, think about it in terms of that. So I think there's always a temptation to try to be everywhere, but it's not really going to help you if you trying to do everything and you're not really doing any of it well. I'd be much more in favor of fewer channels doing less and just doing it really well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. I think that's good advice overall for promotion and for social media and and for anything is to focus on a few ones that you actually use and that you're actually good at and that you're actually familiar with rather than trying to just do everything.
1: I really think so. And I feel like it's taken me years to train myself to be okay with that. Mm. Especially newer content creators. I, I think there's really this overwhelm, but but you know, you just see like it's just a quick path to burnout and then you're not creating any content. So yeah, less is more.
0: Yeah, I think so. And ultimately, I mean with the podcast, you kind of want it in most places, you know, because people consume podcasts in all different places. Yeah. Um so if people are just searching on those platforms and they are going to come across you, it's kind of good to have it out there, but it's not that hard to distribute your podcast on all yes. of those different platforms. We have hosting software and hosting platforms that do it for us. But like in terms of social media, like the Podcasters Club for example, I have nothing. <laughs> I have a Facebook <laughs> and that's the the Precision Podcasting Facebook and yeah. I have my and my LinkedIn because those are the two markets I'm going for. I don't use uh, Instagram, so there's no point in me doing it. It's just going to be pain and suffering, you know. I don't use Twitter, so there's no point. I don't use TikTok. Those markets aren't mine unless I want to, you know, have decided that those are the people that I'm going for and I really want to branch out there. Yeah. I'm better served just focusing on creating the good content For those platforms,
1: I really agree with that. And again, I think there's this like pressure and temptation to think you should be doing more. But, you know, there's no shortage of opportunities in this world. But, you know, I think to really grab people's attention, right, which is sort of what we're all trying to do, we're trying to get noticed, you just can't spread yourself too thin.
0: Mm. And
1: so, you know, again, like if you understand Facebook, like you're going to be making better content for Facebook than trying to wrap your head around TikTok. You know, I understand what people respond to. Like, it's just, you know, it's too big of a learning curve. Now, again, if you have like a large team and you could delegate that as someone, part of someone's job, great. But, you know, yeah. most, most people don't have that.
0: Yeah, I got to say, though, that I've been on Facebook for 14 years or something. <laughs> I still don't really understand it.
1: (laughs) Well, let's not get into like how often things change and whatever. And and honestly, that's also why like it sounds boring, but like that's why I stick to text. I've written, I've been a journalist and whatever, and it's just it's, you know, I consume content that way. Google search has been around for you know more than two decades it's not going anywhere um Mm. it's a channel i really understand so that's how i make that decision and i I think it's an okay way to make a choice
0: yeah it is 100 percent. and okay so perfect on that that's going to lead us into what i want to talk about next so (laughs) if you are doing it by yourself And you're looking around at all these platforms and you don't understand what you should be doing and what content you should be putting on them and how to make that content right for that platform and how to even write something from your podcast episode. Maybe you're not a journalist or you don't have writing experience. How do you find a professional and what can you expect to receive from that professional?
1: That's great. I will answer that question. And then will you remind me to talk about... For that person if they did want to DIY it, I do have a recommendation
0: okay well, let's talk about DIY after
1: okay but so if you want to uh, find a professional who can do some of this for you Upwork could be a good place to start. There's a lot of different freelance writers, you know, unfortunately, because so the underlying thing of what I do is hire writers um, all day, every day and screen them. And so what I can tell you is it's not a very easy process at all because anyone can say they're a writer. Not anyone can say they're a CPA. You've got to have some kind of certification for that. But anyone, you know, theoretically, if you can type on a keyboard, you could be a writer. Mm. Um, Now, the variation in quality, and then it's also very subjective the way we look at it. But what I would advise is, if you're not very experienced at hiring a writer, you know, don't start out with a massive project. You know, maybe find someone you like on one of those platforms and, and try one thing and see if you like um, what they do. This type of writing where you're saying, you know, take a recording and turn it into a blog post is a specialized type of writing. Because, again, you're not asking them to do transcription. And I think that's something important to convey You're saying, I don't want this to be a transcript. I want you to write it like an article. Mm. So I would also look for people that have done that kind of thing before and ask them for examples. There are also like writer marketplaces uh, where you might be able to find, you know, some slightly more specialized writers, but not at a very high cost. Uh, Writer access is one that might be another place to start. But I mean, main things to ask is, have they done this before? Can they show you examples? And then to do just like one small project with them to see if you like the quality of their work. Sure. The thing I'll, I'll just mention here, which is a, a sort of a pet peeve of mine. So writers often talk in terms of an assignment in terms of word count. Now, if you're not a marketer, you're not a writer, you're not a journalist, you probably have no idea like how many words do I want this to be? I mean, 500 words, a thousand words is kind of meaningless, right? I mean, it's easy enough to do it. But if a writer s- says to you, like, what should the word count be? Don't get bamboozled by that. I would just take something that looks about the length that you want it and, you know, do a word count on that and then you can base it on that.
0: Okay. <laughs> so it kind of seems to me like it would be pretty hard, a bit of a mess around trying to find someone and trying to figure out if they're good or not and trying to, even if maybe you don't even know what good is, um, maybe you think you do and you don't, but maybe it's better to go to a company that can do it for you, such as the one that you run.
1: (laughs) I run into this a lot and I think it's a lot harder than it looks to hire writers. And I think people are often surprised by that, but then, yeah, we, we are an option, you know, I think we're not probably an option for the average podcaster because we're more working with, you know, B2B companies that have a marketing budget and are really investing in their podcast. And, you know, we're highly specialized. This is this sure. is all we do. Sure. So it's absolutely possible to get a writer who could do this justice. But we can also talk about DIY, a few different DIY approaches. It might even make it an easier project to manage with a writer that, that you find.
0: Okay, well, let's do DIY then. <laughs> How do you do it yourself?
1: So if the process that we talked about for repurposing an episode like sounds overwhelming, and it is, it's a lot of work. Uh, it's not unheard of for to listen to the episode, write it up, do all these things. I mean, that is hours of work, right? Mm. So not, not really achievable for the average person who's doing a podcast. What you could do is if you have a podcast where you're interviewing people A lot of people have like kind of a guest intake process. You know, maybe you have your guests fill out a um, Google form or something like that, just like with their LinkedIn or whatever. So one thing you could do is you can include a question there, like what are your favorite books? And once you have like 10 guests, right, or something like that, you could do a roundup, basically take their responses And then you've got like a master list of, again, let's, I don't know why I keep thinking about accounting podcasts, but let's say (laughs) you're an accounting podcast, you talk to a lot of accountants, and you've got like all of their recommendations for great accounting books. You could make a list of like the 15 best accounting books, and then what's nice about that is you can link to each of your episodes with all of those guests. So you're getting the cross-promotion of the episode, and that's a much easier way of making content. Or when you're recording your podcast, a lot of people do this. The last question they ask, they'll kind of ask the same question of each guest. Like, what's your best advice for people in this profession? And you do that with a view to making a list like that. So instead of having to listen and distill all the information from the whole episode, you know that the last five minutes of each one. um, So you can round that up and that'll be a really phenomenal piece of content, something that people in the industry will share. And so those are the easier DIY ways to do it. And again, if you don't want to do it, I have a lot of faith that you would be able to find someone, you know, an Upwork who could, you know, if you just say, listen to the last five minutes, take down their recommendations and put this together into a list, include an introduction. That's very achievable.
0: Yeah, totally. That's funny, actually. I've never thought of it that way. It's a really, really helpful piece of information you've just dropped there. And I actually did that. (laughs) I've actually done it. On my first podcast I made, the last question I asked guests, In fact, Uh off-air was um, to share uh, one of their worst gig stories. This is all for musicians. Everyone did. And then I think I did three compilation episodes that were released periodically featuring those stories. And then you can tag all of the people and have all the links. And it was great.
1: And like, okay, so again, talk about, you know, repurposing and cross-channel and all of that. Think about tagging all those people on LinkedIn. Yeah, You know, and like the discussion that's going to create. So I really love that approach and I've seen it work really well for people. The other thing I'll mention, so I was analyzing um, Side Hustle School, which is Chris Guillebeau's podcast. Um, They do like a very robust kind of show notes, even though the episodes are really short. You know, one of the things that I noticed was they did this where they created a list very similar to how what i'm telling you where they took like information from several different episodes and if you look at the seo of the website and you know if you use an seo tool like ahrefs you can see like which pages rank the highest that page which is a list which aggregates stuff from various different episodes is like their top ranking page So what that means is it's doing really well in search. It's bringing new people to the website and then they are hopefully and probably discovering the podcast that way in a podcast that they're interested in.
0: Yeah, so it's like, it's cyclical. Yep. So good.
1: The content circle.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's so wonderful. You've given us so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again. Your potential audience is out there waiting for your content to grab their attention. Maybe they love listening to podcasts, but maybe they don't. Maybe they much prefer to read blog posts, or maybe they prefer watching video. Maybe their dedicated online time each day is spent reading Reddit posts. I think this comes back to what we talked about in episode three, All About Audience, where we discuss avatars and knowing who you're podcasting to. So have a think about your ideal audience. Who are they? Where do they hang out? How do they consume their media? And if you'd like to see how I've repurposed this episode, you'll find a link in the show notes. A huge thank you to Jacqueline Schiff from PodReacher. You can find her online at podreacher.com and you'll find a link to her LinkedIn profile in the show notes for this episode. Till next time. This podcast was created by Precision Podcasting. We make podcasts sound better. For more about what we do, resources on podcasting, and if you'd like to get in touch, visit precisionpodcasting.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pippa Precision Pippa Podcasting. Yes, that's spelled the way it sounds. If you'd like to hear more episodes, make sure to hit subscribe. Thanks for listening.